When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Dan, and before we get to today's podcast, I want to ask you to do us a favor here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and that's please go take a survey that's going to allow us to help make the Orange and Brown Talk podcast better and to serve our listeners even better. It shouldn't take you long. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash orange brown survey. That's all one word, cleveland.com slash orange brown survey, and do us that huge favor. Take a few minutes. Go take the survey for us. Thanks. And on today's Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, it's the Hey Mary Kay edition. So Mary Kay Cabot answers your questions, our football insider subscriber questions about what Travis Kelsey had to say about the Browns as contenders, about what happened with Sheldon Richardson, and so much more. Now, if you want to be a part of Football Insider, all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get signed up, and you can start getting that exclusive newsletter every day delivered to your inbox. You can also become one of our tech subscribers, and of course, you'll get access to those stories on cleveland.com slash browns that are exclusively for Football Insider subscribers. So again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. All right, here we go, our Tuesday Orange and Brown Talk pod. Mary Kay, let's get right to it. Let's talk some Sheldon Richardson, as we always do. we got a bunch of Sheldon Richardson questions, of course, but since those questions came in from our subscribers... And since we hit record on this podcast, it appears Sheldon Richardson is heading for Minnesota. So, hey, Mary Kay, what happened with Sheldon Richardson? Well, I was able to find out that what I do know at this point while we are recording this is that he's not coming back to Cleveland. A source told me he's not coming back here. Uh, He is ready for a fresh start and it's time for him to move on. Now, as you mentioned, he could possibly be headed back to Minnesota. Uh, There was a report from uh, a radio reporter, Jack Day, in Minnesota, that he could be headed to Minnesota. So we don't know, as we're taping this, for sure if that will happen, but it sounds like that, that there could be a good chance. So here's what happened. I believe that the Browns offer to Sheldon Richardson, they made him another offer after term, terminating his contract in April, which uh, they saved $12 million on the cap by making that move. They made him an offer but it was one that he could refuse actually. And I think it was probably more money uh, than he's going to get if he re-signs with Minnesota. But I believe with Sheldon, it wasn't about the money. It was about the principle of the thing. The Browns released him at a large sum of money. And I don't think he wanted to walk back in here for the amount of money that they wanted to pay him. I think for him, it was time to say, okay, if that's the value that you put on me, then I'm going to be better off somewhere else. And as we know, He played in Minnesota in 2018. He was there before he came here. And I'm sure he likes Mike Zimmer a lot. The, you know, the head coach who is the defensive coach. I'm sure he likes a lot of the guys there. They just reworked defensive end Daniel Hunter's contract. So they've they've got some, some good guys on that defense. And I think it was just a matter of, even though this did feel like home to Sheldon Richardson, there's, there is something about, you know, having to, to walk back into a locker room where 
they significantly, significantly cut your pay. And I just think for him, he probably just felt that he wanted to go somewhere else and start fresh where he felt that, that he was really valued and wanted. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it did feel a little bit like a team cut you. And obviously this is a business and everybody knows that everybody involved knows that. And Sheldon and hearing him talk understands that more than anybody. But at the same time, I could understand if a guy feels a little bit of like, you know, you guys cut me. You didn't want me. I, I don't want to come back and play for you. I, I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back and grovel for, for a job, I guess. Anyway, not to put word, words in Sheldon's mouth, but I, I started, that was kind of the first thing I thought when I, I saw that he might be signing elsewhere. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I'm pretty confident that the Browns offer was higher than what he's going to get elsewhere because they really did want to resign him. They, they really wanted him back here, but they had a certain price. They had it capped basically. Uh, and that's how good teams operate with their salary cap. That's how the Patriots do things, right? I mean, they will pay a guy a certain amount of money. And when it goes over what they have their upper limit, then that's it. They're not going to do it. And so they had, you know, right player at right price. As you mentioned, it just probably just didn't sit well uh, with Sheldon. Now it was different than what happened last year with Olivier Vernon. They just went ahead and restructured Olivier Vernon. He was supposed to make $15 million last year and they restructured him and gave him 11 million guaranteed. So they weren't all that far off and they guaranteed the whole thing. I, I just have a feeling that maybe Sheldon, you know, that the number wasn't quite what he would have been looking for to make him overcome that feeling of, you cut me, you let me go. I wasn't good enough for you to pay those double digit millions and I'm going to go play somewhere else. And these are the corrections that are going to happen here over the next few years. You know, you're, this team isn't going to be paying defensive tackles that amount of money unless you're talking about, unless you stumble across the next Aaron Donald mm-hmm. or something like that. They're not going to be paying most normal defensive tackles that much money. We've talked about Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry endlessly on, on this podcast. They're not going to be able to pay two wide receivers over $30 million for that long because you're, you're starting to extend guys. You're starting to extend the players that key positions where you are going to invest your resources. So this probably isn't the first correction we're going to see over the next few off seasons. That's absolutely true. And, you know, we've already been anticipating that, you know, when you look ahead to next year, you see that Odell and Jarvis are still due to make about $31 million combined next year in a year that they will be turning 30. Hey, if they get them to the Super Bowl this year and they're the reason why they win the Super Bowl, you know, that might change the climate, right? And if they look like there's no drop off in in their performance, I mean, look what Odell looks like right now. When you watch his social media, he looks amazing. So, you know, you can never say never, but generally when you're managing your roster and managing your cap, you don't want to pay 30 year olds double digit millions if you can avoid it. Uh, Having said that, I think it would have been great if they could have gotten Sheldon back. I think it would have been tremendous for many reasons that we've talked about on this pod. And that is, he's so experienced, he's so solid, he's great at his job, he's a team leader. You put Miles, Sheldon, Malik, or Andrew, and then Jadavian Clowney out there on that defensive line, and quarterbacks would need to be afraid of that. Okay, you mentioned the two words, Browns fans are starting to embrace Super Bowl, and we're starting to see that buzz growing a little bit nationally. You know, I've told people, you're going to start seeing these takes out there. These national pundits are going to start picking the Browns to go to or win the Super Bowl, and they're going to frame it as some kind of hot take. It's not. We haven't been afraid of it here necessarily. And, uh, you know, so now Travis Kelsey is on that bandwagon a little bit. 
So you were at Jarvis Landry's charity softball game on Saturday and Travis Kelsey, the Cleveland native was there as well. And he said that he thinks the Browns and chiefs are definitely neck and neck for sure. And of course the chiefs are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. So playing off a theme that I sent to our football insider subscribers this weekend as part of our daily newsletter. Hey, Mary Kay, what areas are the Browns better than the chiefs? Well, you know, that's a great question, Dan, because there are some areas that they are better than the chiefs. There are some obvious ones where, where we think that they're not. And I think you have to start with quarterback. You know, I think you have to put Patrick right up there at, at the top of the list with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, right? I think like he goes right up there with the best of the best. He is elite. Uh, So they have the edge there. They have, you know, they have the edge at tight end with Travis Kelsey. He's phenomenal. Tyreek Hill is is pretty darn good. And it's good for that uh, Browns that they have Odell Beckham Jr. back because I think that, uh, you know, you can kind of, you know, you can kind of put Odell in that category. So I would say that the Browns have the edge At running back, you know, they've got two of the best running backs in the NFL. According to PFF, they're they're both ranked in the top 10 heading into the 2021 season. Uh, So that's really saying something. So they're better there. They're better for the most part, you know, across the offensive line. I mean, the you know, the Chiefs did some things to improve their offensive line. But uh, as you mentioned earlier, before we got on here, Kyle Long just got hurt. Nobody knows what's going to be happening with him. You know, I I just think that the Browns all across the board are stronger at offensive line. And that's going to matter. You looked at that Super Bowl, and that is what the Bucs did. They took advantage of injuries at tackle for the Chiefs, and they just came at them. And that is exactly what the Cleveland Browns are going to do in that opener on September 12th. So that's another area, you know, that they need to look at. And then when you head over to the defense, I do think that uh, the Browns are better in some areas defensively. I think Kansas City plays great team defense, and they did that really well in that game against against the Browns. They don't have a bunch of stars on, on the defense per se, uh, but they play really good team defense, and they've got some a couple of really amazing players like Teron Matthew, but they don't necessarily have Miles Garrett. You know, I think that you could give the Browns the edge there just in terms of star player on defense. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to argue with with any of those things. And really the offensive line thing is, you know, you've got two new tackles there in Kansas City. And Orlando Brown Jr. now moving from right tackle to left tackle uh, after he played left tackle at Oklahoma and then the Ravens made him a, a right tackle. He kind of forced his way out and he's there now. So that's, look, that's an upgrade. That's a really good player at left tackle. Joe Thune, they, they signed for a lot of money. That's an upgrade there. You know, if Kyle Long is unable to go, they're getting back Laurent uh, Duvernay Tardif, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he opted out last year and he was supposed to be a big piece of that line. So there's pieces on that line, but they haven't been together. And that matters. The Browns are bringing back a line that was already one of the best in football, if not the best in football. And they've played together for a year. They know each other really well. And in the modern NFL, sometimes playing together on an offensive line for a year is, is almost like what it used to be to do it for a decade. <laughs> it's with all the player movement and everything. So the Browns have a lot of stability on that line. And then they're, you know, within that, you've got JC and Joel have played together forever. You know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's interesting because 
uh, the year that they did go to the Super Bowl, when you looked at their offensive line, it was a it was filled with a bunch of former Browns players. Do you remember that, Dan? It was I do. Austin Ryder. They had Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, they had Cam Irving. And it was like, wait a minute, what what is this all about? And they were able to win with that offensive line. And I think that is in large part because Patrick is so good and so mobile that he's not a sitting duck. I mean, he's that dual threat quarterback that you don't necessarily, you know, have to have the best offensive line, but you do have to protect him. You have got to protect him. And they found that out the hard way in the Super Bowl. So that's going to be really interesting to see how the Browns come off that edge and try to attack him in that way. You know that that they're going to be ready for that because it's a copycat league. They're going to try to do what the Bucks did. Going to be a really, really interesting game. And it was it was fascinating to talk to, to Travis Kelsey and hear what he had to say about that. And I know he was genuine with what he was talking about uh, in terms of the Cleveland Browns being neck and neck with the chiefs because he sees what they did on defense. I mean, he, he, it, you know, everybody in the league can see, you know, adding John Johnson and Jadavian Clowney and Tack McKinley and Troy Hill and, you know, Grant coming back and greedy coming back. I mean, that, that could obviously be the difference in winning or losing next year, whether it be in the opener or whether you fast forward all the way to the AFC championship game. Well, I'm going to get out way ahead on this. You know, Travis Kelsey is signed through 2025. I'm going to get way ahead, and we're going to make Travis Kelsey a Cleveland Brown in 2026. I'm five years ahead. He's going to come to Cleveland and finish his career with this hometown team. Maybe the dynasty will have started by then. It'll be like LeBron-esque. Well, you know what? I think that would be great. He is one of those uh... – He's one of those guys that he really does bleed orange and brown. He loves Cleveland. Uh, he he wore an Indians jersey to to you know to the event uh, when we interviewed him. He had uh, Indians gear on, and I mean he's just Cleveland through and through. He talks about being out there representing the two one six and talking about the land. And I mean he he's just Cleveland, and I'm glad he's out there representing really well and that he's having some success in Kansas City. But you're right. That would be cool to bring a guy like that back and have him finish his career here. All right, let's get to some more of our football insider questions here. And there were a lot, with with minicamp this week, there were a lot of people just asking about the state of the roster, uh, some guys that that maybe could be on the bubble, things like that. A lot of roster questions. I don't know that we're going to get a lot of answers to these questions this week, but this is where fans are starting to turn their attention you know, we're going to be talking training camp real soon. So, so people want to know what could happen, but here's an interesting question for Robert Seltzer in El Paso, Texas, who always comes through with questions for us. And this has to do more with the injury front. So, Hey, Mary Kay, for the first time in decades, the Browns seem strong at all positions in all position groups, but is there one position group that can't afford to have an injury hit? You know what? Once again, they're pretty deep at most positions, but I think the the one area where you might want to have another guy that could play on the outside is is cornerback. Uh, if, if Greedy for some reason struggles a little bit, or if Denzel struggles, uh, you might find yourself a little short at outside corner. You you really do need three. You need to have three, and right now they do have three good ones outside in Denzel, Greedy, and Greg. And you want to maintain that number. So I would say that that is one area. I mean, I think pretty much everywhere else, they're okay. I mean, offensive tackle, 
you know, you really don't want to lose uh, an offensive tackle. That That's another spot where, you know, you just might not have the absolute depth. Now they do now have James Hudson, a rookie. Chris Hubbard, not ready yet, but he will be coming back from, from his injury, the dislocated kneecap that he suffered um, and the quad injury. He's not quite ready yet. And I'm not sure where he'll be right at the beginning of the season, but that's another area that you might want to be a little careful at. So that brings us to this question from Alex in Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think there will be any more free agent pickups now between now and training camp? And he says specifically defensive line or at corner. Do you expect this team? And I guess there's varying levels to this. There'll obviously be some roster churn, but is there anything I don't know, maybe not a splash move, but like a kind of, oh, that's interesting type of move for this team. You know, it's, it's a great question. It really is a great question. The one thing uh, that I kept thinking that they were going to do, and they did try to do, obviously, uh, was bring back Sheldon Richardson. He was the splash move uh, that they would have made. Beyond that, I don't really think I see anything coming down the pike before training camp. As you mentioned, there will be some roster churn. And once they make... Uh, that final 53, they'll go and they'll uh, they'll find some guys that have shaken out from other teams. But, uh, you know, in terms of a, of a trade or or any sort of major thing right now, I really don't foresee anything. But, you know, Andrew's aggressive. And if something if something becomes available, then uh, he won't hesitate to toss his hat in the ring. Okay, another roster question, and this one has to do with the defensive line. This comes from Robert in Florida. Hey, Mary Kay, has the legend of Curtis Weaver grown or diminished during OTAs, and do you see the Browns keeping four or five defensive ends? It's been sort of quiet on on the Curtis Weaver front, but again, so much of that is like there's just not a lot happening in OTAs. As Kevin Stefanski said, it's more a passing camp at this point, so – we're not really getting a read on a lot of these guys based on what we're watching. That's true. And we might not get much of a read on it during mini camp either, because we must all remember that they sort of renegotiated the rules and the level of intensity. And, you know, we might not be seeing the mini camp that we would have normally seen before they did this whole, we're going to skip, you know, in-person OTAs and all this kind of stuff. Some teams have canceled their mini camps altogether. And, you know, so I, I just don't think we're going to be able to glean all that much from, from this three-day period. So, no, we don't have a whole huge update on, on Curtis Weaver. But I will say, you know, because they did go out and they signed Tack McKinley and they signed Jadavian Clowney, that he's going to have a, a long, hard road to get himself up to playing time category. Uh, they still have also Porter Gustin, and he's really going to have to show some things in this mini camp and training camp to get himself on the field. And defensive end doesn't exist on its own either, especially in this defense. I don't think, I think the tackle room will play a role in that because we, right. you know, Malik Jackson can move outside. They can move Jadavian inside, even probably even tack inside miles inside. There's, there's a lot of different things they can do. So I, I think how, how that defensive tackle room shakes out Malik McDowell could play a factor in all of this. So I wouldn't just look exclusively at defensive ends. Yes, that's absolutely true. They have some flexibility there. And, you know, it, it, it'll be really interesting to see how they uh, deploy the front. I mean, they're, they're going to do some creative and interesting things with these guys. And so you're right. They don't necessarily have to have uh, the traditional end 
uh, at all times or have a traditional end rotation. Okay, our next question. This comes from S.L. Smith in Dallas, Texas. And Mary Kay, you did this on the fly on Monday's podcast and managed to pull it off, but we're going to put you on the spot again. Who's in the starting base defense right now in your mind? And what do you think the, I, I guess, nickel package would look like? Well, starting base, the reason why I've been saying that there could be up to nine new starters, when I say that, that puts Jacob Phillips at the strong side starting position where Sione Taki held down that spot, Taki Taki held down that spot last year. So let me say that it would be base would be Miles, and then and then you go Malik and Andrew Billings or Tommy Togiai or 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 Jordan Elliott, probably Jordan to start or Andrew, you know, that that's how that would look inside there. Then you go Jadavian Clowney. Then you go back to the linebacker spot. You go Jacob uh, at, at the strong side. You go Walker at Mike. You go JOK at weak side. For right now, I'm going to go with John Johnson and Grant Delpit at the safety spots. And let's say, just to start out, Greedy Williams and Denzel at cornerback. So the only two guys for sure that are going to start from last year would be Denzel and Miles. You have a chance to have nine new starters. If Sione Taki Taki is still at strong side and they rotate Jacob in, then you have eight new starters. That's how it would look. When you go to the sub defenses, you're going to get Ronnie Harrison for sure is going to join you uh, at the safety spot. And in the big, in the big nickel, which uh, uses three safeties generally. Uh, so there'll be a lot of nickel, a lot of dime. You know, when you're in a dime package, you know, you're going to see those three safeties. And then you could see Greg Newsom, Greedy, and Denzel all out there. And then if you have two linebackers, uh, when they're in a defense that only uses two linebackers, which is going to happen a significant amount, those two linebackers, I believe, will be Anthony Walker and JOK. Uh, but on this defense, as we know, we're going to see multiple fronts. We are going to see multiple everything. I mean, you're going to see some unorthodox formations and you've got all different kinds of guys that can do different things. So I think it will evolve as the season goes along. And once a guy shows that he shines in a sub defense, then he's going to get more playing time in it. And by the time they get to the second half of the season and they get into November and December, they, that those spots will be solidified in the first quarter of the season. There are going to be some tryouts going on during games, but when you get later in November and December, those, those players will have established themselves in those roles. And so, and so much of what we're seeing now is just the default stuff, right? So it makes sense that Grady Williams would maybe be your starting corner on that other side. Cause it almost feels like if you threw Greg Newsom out there day one of training camp, you're basically saying, unless he's a disaster during the preseason and during training camp that, okay, this guy's our starter. Mm -hmm. Whereas you get a little flexibility. I think if, if you throw greedy out there initially and, and maybe make Greg beat him out. And greedy has earned the right. And that's why I think almost symbolically the other day when we were out there uh, for the second week of OTAs, they threw greedy out there for the, the first rep in team drills. And I think that was a nod to how hard he has worked to come back from the shoulder injury and how hard he worked last season to head into his second year in the NFL. They were very happy with what they saw from him. And I think that, you know, they're trying to say, we haven't thrown you under the bus. We haven't cast you aside. We see what you've done. All right. So this was an interesting question because we just went through the starters, the possible starters in a base defense. And this comes from Jim in Talmadge. 
And he wants to know, well, he's basically asking about the base defense. Hey, Mary Kay, is the Browns base defense actually going to be a 4-3 or is it more, he says 4-2. But basically what he's asking is, should we be looking at the nickel more as the base? Probably. You probably should be looking at the nickel as the base because they will be in that way more than they're, they're going to be in the traditional 4-3 defense. So, yes, I, I would have to say that you could almost consider the nickel to, to be the base. And I, I don't have the percentage at, off the top of my head, but from a percentage standpoint, even last year before they had all the guys that they have now, they were in nickel more than they were in their base defense. And that's just the way that it is anymore in the NFL. So, yes, you, you can really look at it like that. I mean, the base is sort of like, you know, it's there. Uh, but you just you're just not going to see it, you know, seventy percent of the time. Okay, there we go. Those were our questions from our Football Insider subscribers today. Now, if you sent in a question and we didn't get to it, Mary Kay usually takes these and, and puts them up in a post at, at some point during the week. So keep an eye out for that at Cleveland.com/Browns. If you want to be a Football Insider subscriber, of course, go to Cleveland.com/Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get yourself signed up and get information. There's one more thing I have to tell everybody about, and I told you about it off the top, but I want to remind you again to please go take that survey for us so that we can make sure this podcast is tailored. The ads you get, all of that stuff is tailored to our listeners. So just go to cleveland.com slash orange brown survey. That's all one word, cleveland.com slash orange brown survey. It's not going to take you long. Go there and fill out that survey to help us make this podcast better for you, the listeners. All right, Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds great.